Well, we are in week number four of a series that we've entitled Marked, and we've been talking about how each of us has been called, we've been anointed, or we've been, uh, we've been chosen for this purpose. And the purpose that we initially started talking about was more about who we are than what we do. That Jesus has called us to be marked by a who, by, by who we are, how we act, how we live. And so we, we broke that up over the last two weeks, and we've talked about forgiveness, and we've talked about love. And, and how those two things specifically really embody what it means to be marked by Jesus. That Jesus said that, if, that they will know that you are my disciples by how you love one another. And so that's one of the ways we are marked. And, and we have been marked by forgiveness because he has forgiven us so much. How could we not forgive others? And today we're going to talk about being marked by a relationship. But before we get there, I want to mention a couple things. One, on your seat you have an Easter invite card. Um, you should have three actually, but uh, I want to encourage you this week, you've got to hand these out. Next week, we have two service times, so not just not at 10 o'clock like normal, but next week, we'll have service at 9 and 1045. If you show up at 10, you can just stick around for 1045, but, but ideally, now that you have the card, you will know what time the services are, but next week, we are really, really, really excited about what's going to happen. I know I say this all the time, but next week is one of those services you are not going to want to miss. It is just going to be an amazing morning. So make sure you're here for that. The other thing I want to mention is that last week we talked about being marked by love. And we did something with stickers out in our lobby. Um, and basically what we said is, is who is it that you need to pray for to accept Jesus? Who is it you need to be praying for to be marked by Jesus? Or who is it that you need to invite to Easter so they can hear what it means to be saved? Or to accept Jesus as their Savior. Who, who is that? And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't already put, in, put in, if you haven't already put some stickers out there on the wall in the lobby, I want you to do that. To write down some names. Who are the people that this week you're going to make sure they get an Easter invite? Who are they? And put them out there on that. Now on your seat was another sticker this morning. And, and I want you to make sure you hold on to that because we're going to be using that later in the service. All right, so we're talking about being marked, and we've looked at these different ways to be marked by love, to be marked by forgiveness, but today we're going to look into a passage of Scripture in John chapter 13. So you have a Bible, you can start turning there. But in John chapter 13, let me just set this context. Today is what we call Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is when Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem, and and people literally lay palm branches down in front of him, and he rides into town on this colt or this donkey, and people are yelling and shouting, praise him, and Hosanna. I mean, all of these things are happening, and the disciples are watching this happen, and and everybody is thinking, everybody's thinking, wow, it's going to happen. The Messiah has come. This is the Messiah. He is here, and things are going to finally change. And so that's what happens on Palm Sunday, and that's what today, that's what we celebrate. But I want to look at the rest of the week as well. I want to look not just at Palm Sunday, but tonight I want to talk more about that Thursday night. So, so Good Friday is this coming Friday, and Good Friday marks where Jesus is put on the cross. But that Thursday night, can you imagine just think with me for a moment how, how amazing that Thursday night, how interesting, just the, the emotion, the, the, what was happening there. I mean, Jesus knew, obviously, that within hours he would be taken into custody. And Jesus knew that, that he would be crucified within less than 18 hours. He'd be hanging on a cross. Like, Jesus knew that. And this Thursday night, he, he's, he's there and, and he's with his disciples in this upper room. And there's a lot at stake. 
There's a lot that's happening. In fact, think about this for a moment. They're at dinner together. Dinner is an intimate space, right? Like in our culture, one of the things that we do to get to know people is we gather around meals. Usually it kind of starts out with, hey, how you doing? And, and then it's like, hey, you want to go to coffee? And then sometimes it's, well, let's grab lunch, but then dinner. There's something special about dinner. You gather around this large table and, and just this group of people and the conversations that happen, the things that, that come up and just how life is lived. And then especially you think about this group of disciples, there's 12 of them. And they've been with Jesus for years now, for probably three-ish years. And they've had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with Jesus. They've sat around the table many, many, many times. They know him. He knows them. They have this intimate relationship. And they're sitting together in this upper room. And there's a lot at stake. I mean, Jesus, he picked these disciples. And, and some of us would question whether he did that great of a job, and we're going to talk more about that. But, but, but like he picked these disciples, and they're around the table in this upper room, and and as you gather with people, as he gathers with them, they're becoming marked by him, right? The relationship that is there, that as, they, as they get together, as they share life together, they become more marked by Jesus. The relationship is built. And so that's where we're at. That, that's kind of the setting for the night. This intimate setting around a table. They're going to be celebrating something called Passover, and Jesus knows that within hours, he's going to be taken into custody. And Jesus knows within hours, he's going to be beaten. And ultimately, he's going to be crucified. And so that Thursday night. But before I jump into more of that, let me ask a question. What do you do when you discover the truth about someone? What do you do when you discover the truth about someone? You know, think about how you're sitting around a table. Again, this intimate moment. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, family time. Like, there's always times where, where as we gather with people, inevitably, we're going to learn more about them. And at some point, you're going to discover the truth about that person. And maybe it'll be good, maybe it'll be bad. Maybe you've experienced this before. Maybe you've discovered the truth about someone and it ruined a relationship. Maybe it was one of your wives or husbands back in the past and you discovered this truth and you said, man, I didn't know, I'm out. Maybe it was a close friend, a best friend even, that you discovered the truth and you're like, yeah, or, or a colleague or a business partner. What do you do when you discover the truth about someone? Well, I, I would suggest that oftentimes it starts with distancing ourselves, right? Oftentimes when you discover the truth about someone, you go, oh, well, oh, you know what? I forgot. I got to do my hair Friday night. Sorry. Can't come to dinner. And, you know, oh, I'm just really busy. You know, we'll get together in a couple weeks. You know, yeah, just put it on the calendar. I'm sure it'll work out. You know, you distance yourselves. You step back and you just step away from that relationship. That's what you do sometimes. But then sometimes it moves on to the next level. You disassociate. You, you say, well, I don't, I mean, yeah, we dated in the past, but I don't even like to talk about them. Like you completely distance and disassociate, you know, oh, no, 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 I, no way. 
We, we don't talk about them in this house anymore. Or maybe it even steps into the next step, which would be shame. You kind of shame them. And, you know, as people talk about them, maybe you say some things about what really happened, the truth that you found out, because somehow you think you're better than them or a little bit, and, and so you, you bring up the truth, and you shame them. Well, if you really knew who they were, if you really understood who, what kind of person they were, you wouldn't think that about them, and you shame. Or this one is, is common, too. We, out, we get outraged. Probably in our culture today, this is becoming more and more common because there's always another politician, another pastor, another whatever that, that is doing something just, just outrageous. They said something wrong. And, and with our smartphones, we can jump online and we can be outraged as we want, as often as we want, right? But when you discover the truth, these are the steps. Like you, you first you distance and you disassociate, you shame, you out, you're outraged. And you just step back. You move away from the relationship. But let's make this personal for a second. Again, thinking of this night where there's so much to be, so much that is on the line. All of these disciples around Jesus. But let me ask you this. What would you do if someone found out the truth about you? What would you do if somebody found out the truth? All, everything. All the dirty little secrets all the closets emptied out, what would you do? As some of you, that's your biggest fear right now. Your biggest fear is that people would know how your marriage really is, that people would know how your life really is, the things that you do in the dark, that, that people would know that. That's your biggest fear. What would you do if someone found out the truth about you? And it's with, it's with that in mind that we walk into the events of this last night. In John chapter 13 and verse 1, here's what it says. It says, It was just before Passover, the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to his Father. So again, this Thursday night, it wasn't just any ordinary dinner. It was Passover. The Israelites had celebrated Passover for a thousand years. <laughs> and, and Passover was this event where they, they celebrated how God delivered them from the Egyptians. And it was this miraculous delivery where God used what we call the ten plagues. And, and he, he broke the Egyptians, Egyptians. He broke Pharaoh's heart. And that's, this is what they celebrate. And so the Israelites would have all been celebrating this together. And Jesus, being a good Jewish man, would have been celebrating this with his disciples. And they're gathered in this room and we, we learn that Jesus knows that his time or his hour has come. That he's about to leave this world and go to his father. So Jesus was literally physically there, but he was also God. And because he was God, he had already been with his father before. He had been from beginning of time. And so now Jesus, knowing that his time on earth is ending, he's going to go back and be in heaven or in glory with his father, this verse says. And Jesus is about to share with them that God delivered his people from the Egyptians. He delivered his people miraculously in this amazing way, and now he's going to do it again through Jesus. Now he's going to deliver them again. And again, he knows within hours he'll be hanging on the cross. But then John, he keeps going. He says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. So Jesus, sitting around looking at the twelve, he goes, you know, I love these guys. I, I love them. I'm going to love them all the way until the end. 
meaning to the end of his ministry, until the end of the time that he's on this earth, he's going to love them. But here's where it gets really tricky. Verse 2, he says, The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. So Jesus sits down with his disciples. And he looks across the table and Judas is there. And he knows. Jesus already knows. He knows the truth. He knows everything about Judas. He knows everything about everybody around the table. Everything that they had done. Everything they were going to do, he knew it. And he sits there and he looks at Judas and he goes, you know what? I love him until the very end. Yeah, yeah, Judas, I know you're going to betray me. And I'm shocked that you're going to do it. I mean, we've literally lived together for the last several years. We've had breakfast, lunch, dinner together. Like, like we've been together. How, how could you do this to me, Judas? But I love you until the very end. I mean, can you imagine if you were in his shoes? And can you imagine what you would do if you knew that Judas was going to betray you? That you knew the truth? It had come out. I mean, that's where this disassociation this, this and shaming and outrage, I mean, that's what we would jump to, right? Jesus says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And then verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. And so it gets even deeper. <laughs> he says, okay, okay. I have all the power in the world. Judas, I could, I could make you disappear. Like, Judas, I could level you. I have all the power in the world. Jesus knew that. He knew what was going to happen, and he knew that he had the power to do something about it. And yet, he chose to love him until the very end. And let's be honest, it's not just Judas. In fact, as you walk around the table thinking of the disciples... It was way more than just Judas. James and John were two of the disciples that were there at the table. And on the way into Jerusalem, they looked at Jesus and they said, Jesus, if you're talking as much about this heaven thing and it's really as good of a place as you say it is, we want to be at the front of the line with you. Can we sit on your right and your left? And Jesus is like, guys, have you been listening? Like, did you pay any attention to anything that I've said in the last three years? Because I think you missed it. And so James and John... He's looking across the table and thinking, these guys don't even get it. And then you have, then you have Peter. You know, Peter, he, he sits there and he tells Jesus, Jesus, I am never going to leave you. You know, Judas, I don't know about that guy, but, but Jesus, Peter, no, 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 I'm not leaving. I'm going to be with you. And within hours, he's going to be disassociating and distancing and shaming Jesus. And then there's Thomas. I mean, you think of Thomas. Thomas is this guy, he got the name Doubting Thomas. And it's because, because he literally says to all the disciples, hey, I know you said you saw, saw Jesus after he rose from the dead, but I haven't touched him yet. And I want to put my finger in his nails, nail-scarred hands. And until I touch him and actually personally see it, I'm not going to believe. I mean, in his mind, he thought what, what is dead stays dead. Like, that's just what happens. 
And so, so Jesus looks around the table and you've got Judas, you've got Peter, you've got James and John, and you've got Thomas. And then you think of the rest of them, and the reality is none of them stuck with Jesus. Maybe John stayed close to Jesus that night. But the rest of them all distanced themselves, disassociated themselves, and some of them even shamed Jesus. And he sits around the table, and he looks. He knows the truth. He knows everything about them. What would you do? If you had all the power in the world, if you were in Jesus' position, and you knew the truth about them, what would you do? Here's what Jesus did. Verse 3. It says, Jesus knew the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal. He took out his outer clothing, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. And don't miss this. This is huge. Jewish men did not wash feet, period. Women, children, they washed feet. Culturally, that's just how it was. And so Jewish men did not get down. They did not wash feet. And here's Jesus. Clearly the most powerful person in the room. Clearly the leader of all the disciples. And he says, you know what? Yeah, I know. I know exactly what you're going to do. But I'm still going to get down. I'm still going to wash your feet. I'm still going to love. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know that you're betraying me, Judas. I know, Peter. You're going to deny. You're going to disassociate. I know. I know, Thomas. You don't believe, but he gets down. And then this amazing act of love washes their feet. Jesus showed a type of love that is something we don't even get. We talk about love so loosely. It's an emotion in our culture. You know, I love my car. I loved that vacation. But that's not love, because in five years, you're not going to love your car like you do now. And you're going to go on other vacations that you love more. Like, love isn't that. It's not an emotion. Love is a decision. And I think more importantly, in this situation, love was a covenant. It's this covenant love, a covenant. We're a contract society. We, we have contracts, but contracts are made to be broken. Covenant is different. A covenant says that even though you don't do what you're supposed to do, I'm going to do what I agreed to do. Covenant love says that even if you don't do what you agreed to, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I agreed to. And that's what Jesus was doing. As he got down on his knees and washed these nasty, dirty feet of the disciples. The very ones that would betray him the very ones that would run away and distance themselves. That's covenant love. That's the love that we see at Easter. Because see, real love sees who you really are and it sticks around anyways. In fact, Jesus saw who you really are and he stuck around anyways. 
That's what makes Jesus so special. That's what makes Jesus so different, is that he sees who you really are. You see, he knows everything. The things that you're afraid everybody else are going to find out, he already knows them. The things that, you're, that you hide, the, the things that you're like, man, I, I don't want to get caught with that. Jesus is like, yeah, but I already know. And I still love you. And yeah, maybe, maybe it's something we need to work on, but, but I love you anyways. I see who you really are. I love you anyways. And, and it doesn't end there. Jesus not only washed their feet, but just after that, they participated in the Passover meal. And during this Passover meal, Jesus did something that is just absolutely crazy. He changed the meaning of the meal. And for a strict Jew, that would be a big deal. You don't just change the meaning of what we've done for thousands of years, but Jesus says, well, I can do that. And so Jesus changes the Passover. And he takes the bread as they were gathered together and he rips it apart. Can you imagine? Again, he's with the disciples and he knows what's going to happen. And it says in Matthew that while they were eating, Jesus took the bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to the disciples, take and saying, take and eat, this is my body. Jesus would have broke the bread, handed a piece to Judas, said, Judas, I see who you really are. I'm going to stick around anyways. I'm going to take another piece, handed it to Peter. He said, Peter, I know. I see who you really are, but I'm going to stick around anyways. James and John, I see who you are but I'm going to stick around anyways. Thomas, the rest of the disciples, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. Take and eat. And then likewise, he would take the juice, the wine, and pour it out for the disciples. Peter, yeah, I see who you are. But I'm going to stick around anyway. I have covenant love. Judas, yeah, I see who you are. But I'm going to stick around anyway. I see who you are. <laughs> it says he took the cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is my blood. It's poured out for you and it's for your forgiveness. Without his death, we would not have forgiveness. And Jesus said, I see it. I know everything about you. I see who you really are. And I'm sticking around anyways. And that goes for all of us. He knows us. And that is what happened that Thursday night. This covenant love 
that was unlike anything else that had been experienced. This amazing, intimate setting. And you know what is so amazing about that night? Is that Jesus still says to us today that we're invited. He says, you can join me there at the table. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he says, I know you. I've known all about you. I know the things you're going to do in the future. I know what you've done in the past. I know everything about you. I see you. And I'm going to stick around anyways. Maybe for you today, you would say that, that, that you don't understand this covenant love that we've talked about. That, that you don't get what it means to be loved unconditionally. Maybe you would even say, you know what, I've been around church a long time. I know a lot about Jesus, but I've never experienced that kind of love. Maybe today is the day that you could say to Jesus, Jesus, I know that I need you as my Savior. Jesus, I want to be marked by you. And don't forget, there's a difference between a, a mental belief of Jesus some of you have been around church your whole life. You understand it, but you've never truly accepted this amazing love. You've never truly put your faith in Jesus, that he's your only way to heaven, that through his sacrifice, through his blood and body, that is the way to heaven. Maybe today that's you, and you can accept that. That might be where you're at. Maybe today you would say, you know what? <laughs> I accepted Jesus a long time ago, but I have not been living the right way. I've got a lot of things that I don't want people to find out. Maybe today it's time to get rid of some of those. To bring those before Jesus. He already knows. And he's going to stick around anyway. But then to get some help. To deal with those areas of your life. So here's what I want to do as we, as we wrap up before we take communion. All of you, when you came in today, you got a little sticker on your seat. It says, Marked by Jesus. I want to ask you, because I know that time is short, because I know that, that eternity and hell and heaven are real, I just want to ask you, have you truly been marked by Jesus? Could you take that sticker and could you place it on yourself saying that, yeah, you know what? I've been marked. I know that I have accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I have done that. It's not just a belief, but it's a faith. They work together. We believe and we have faith. They go hand in hand, but, but belief by itself isn't quite enough. You've got to have that faith that, that only in Jesus, that only through Jesus you can have salvation. And so my challenge for you is this. If you can do that, if you could say today, yeah, yeah, no, I definitely have accepted Jesus. Could you, would you put that sticker on? And maybe you're here and you would go, you know what, I can't do that. And that's all right. But Jesus 
has a type of love that you will never experience or see anywhere else. And if you don't feel like you can confidently put that sticker on, I want to encourage you today to figure out how to do that. Because Jesus has this acceptance that you won't find anywhere else. Jesus offers this love that you won't find anywhere else. You can search for it your entire life. You will look for it. You will try to put unmet expectations on other people. But it will never fulfill you like Jesus does. But Jesus is here. He says, I see who you really are. And I'm sticking around anyway. Let's pray together. God, I know that this morning there is so much at stake that as we think through the importance of understanding and believing in Jesus as our Savior, that being marked by this relationship, that is the decision that determines our eternity. That is the decision that makes the most difference in our lives. It's the beginning of a relationship. And God, I think as, I, as we gather here, it's obvious that not everybody will have made that decision. But God, I, I want today for them to know how to do that. In fact, if you were here today and you would say, you know, man, I, I feel like I've never made that decision. But, but you know that you need that type of love, that you need that type of acceptance that we just talked about, that, that you want to be fully known, then today you could accept Jesus. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and I would encourage you to pray along with me. You just say something like this, God, I know that I have sinned. I want you to know me. And I want your forgiveness in my life. I believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And I accept him today as my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to celebrate with you. I want to celebrate that you've found this true love. And so I'd ask you to do this, to just raise your hand up so I can see it. No one else is looking around, but but me. Just go ahead and raise your hand if you did that today. God, I think of the rest of the people here. Those who maybe have accepted Jesus, those who maybe are still on the fence. God, I, I just pray that as we celebrate communion together in just a moment, that we would realize how amazing this covenant love really is. How amazing this acceptance that we find in Jesus really is. That we would realize today how amazing that evening really was. That you looked around and saw every single person in the room and knowing everything about them and still stuck around anyways. God, we come before you with dirty hands needing to experience forgiveness from you, needing to experience life change from you. I pray today 
us and that you would meet with us. And we pray this in your name.